Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. We have a very special show today, a very special lineup today. You know, my colleague and friend, Chef Rossi, is joining me here today, out loud and proud. This is a very important show, and I'm going to tell you why in a couple of reasons, and then she's going to get into it. First of all, if you know about who she is, you know about the Raging Skillet, you know about Queen of the Jews, or maybe you don't. But what you do know about Chef Rossi is that when she suits up, she shows up. Whether you know about her food or what she does in New York City, her fantastic catering business, you also know she is a voice. And she is a voice for many. She and I have done a number of shows over the past couple of years. But this particular show is important. Why is this show important to me? Why might this be important to her? I did a poll of people I know, and when I did the poll, I asked them the question, do you think women should have equal pay? Cross the board, men, women, it doesn't matter. Dogs who took the poll, cats who jumped up said yes. Did you know the Senate just voted down a bill passed by the House for women to have equal pay. What? Was there a bill? What? What's going on? Joe Biden, you need to give Kamala Harris her mouth back, please. Chutzpah is today, out loud and proud. When you put a gag order on one of the most prolific speakers on the, that I know of that can get up in your face, Vice President Kamala Harris, and you are not using her to educate the rest of us, we might as well walk away from out loud and proud. We might as well forget Stonewall. We might as well forget Matthew Shepard because we are now in a realm right now, everybody, where you are not aware of what is happening to your rights, your voting rights across the board. So here, let's talk about gay people, because you know what? Gay people show up. You ever been to the parade in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. You ever been to the AIDS epidemic and see what happened? You ever heard me talk about the experience at Stonewall? Well, you know, it wasn't the men that started the fight. It was a lesbian who was handcuffed three times, tried to get her in the paddy wagon. She wouldn't go three times at three in the morning in a bar. What are you people thinking? Chef Rossi, welcome to the show. Hello, Dr. Pat. I'm so thrilled to be with you, as always. Let's talk about this, because I was talking to a number of people across the board, and it has been a battle for the gay and lesbian population, LGBTQIA, and many more. Uh, Binary, 
great word. Uh, thank you, Asia, for coming up with a new language about this. It doesn't matter. There has been a battle for rights. Tell me about what your view is about the battle for rights and how if we're not paying attention in the LGBTQ community, things like these bills and voting rights that are being squashed, they're going to change the landscape, yeah? Mm -hmm. Well, right. basically what I think happened, honestly, is that the right-wingers and the conservatives and the Republicans realized, much to their shock and horror, in this last presidential ele election, that people of color would be willing to vote. <laughs> yes. They were just like, oh my God, you mean black and brown people vote? Like, we didn't know that. First of all, like, you're on drugs. And second of all, like, thank God everyone's voting. And so they're like, well, God, if they're gonna vote, well, we need to suppress that vote. We can't let that happen to us again. So they are trying to come up with all these convoluted ways to suppress the vote to make it harder and harder for people in poorer neighborhoods and neighborhoods that are generally minority neighborhoods to get to vote. And they want to make it illegal for you to be offered a glass of water when you vote. I mean, like every week, it's like another thing. I don't understand why this hasn't been shot down. And I don't understand why. I, I mean, you cannot say that every Republican is a bad person and every Republican oh. is a racist. You know, you can't say something like that. No. And yet every time it seems like a Republican tries to stand up and do the right thing, Liz Cheney, not a fan, certainly not a fan of her father, she tried to stand up and do the right thing and say, yes, President Trump did these bad things. He did instigate this riot, that this attack on the Capitol. She tried to speak out and tell the truth. She got kicked off her committee and like annihilated by her peers. So basically, I don't know who the Republican Party has become in these last few years, but with uh, the last president, I hate saying his name anyway, let's call him. Uh, we don't need to. He's 45. Let's call him uh, Jim Jones, because that's what he was. How, you know how Jim Jones got everyone to drink the Kool-Aid and kill themselves? Oh, that's my God. I actually know a survivor from that. Well, I think that's what I think 45 was, just like Jim Jones. And so the Republicans stopped being what they were supposed to be, the party of Lincoln, this righteous, honorable, decent party. And they just became people who would back a lie, who would even, you know, threaten our democracy, anything in the name of Jim Jones. And the same party is now actively suppressing the vote. While they're standing up one day and saying, we're not a racist, we believe everyone's equal, the next day they want to suppress the vote. They certainly don't want to see women get equal pay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think of these people. I just need more and more and more people to stand up. People like Mitt mm -hmm. Romney stood up. People like Liz Cheney stood up. I know John McCain. Yeah. John McCain would be all over it. He'd yeah. be standing up all over the place. We need more decent, honorable people to stand up. But in the meanwhile, the lesson I learned when Obama was president it felt so great to have a decent man up there who you could tell he really cared about you and he really wanted the best for you. He didn't always get what he wanted. He certainly got shot down a lot every time he tried to get something to pass. It was like the party of no, but he kept trying and trying. And because of that, I let myself and a lot of other people let themselves get a little lazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just felt comfortable I could get a little lazy. Well, the next thing we got Jim Jones. And so now we have Biden and Kamala, who, my God, I love her. 
and they're in there and there's this temptation to just, oh, we've had an exhausting four years. Let me just relax and get a little lazy again. But you know what? While we're doing that, the vote is getting suppressed all over the place. Our, our rights for freedom of choice are under attack. I mean, everything we hold dear is under attack. So well, 13 hours ago, I mean, let's just get real about this because, you know, we're talking about being proud for a moment and that is our show today. And when I think about the fact, and, and for those of you that maybe don't follow politics or you've turned everything off, you know, here's the deal. 13 hours ago, the sweeping voting right bills aimed at expanding early voting failed in the Senate. They, the Republicans, yes, and I'm saying a party because I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. I don't care who you are. When you block a voting rights bill, it's got to be at your heart unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. But the question really is, Chef, and I want to talk about this. I remember how loud, how loud we had to get before mm -hmm. we were proud. Mm-hmm right? Mm -hmm, very and loud. Very loud. And, you know, I, I think when people hear us, we have forgotten what the LGBTQ, T, whatever, we have forgotten the roots of the movement. That's right. And I think we have to really talk about this and talk to the community, the LGBTQ, IA community, to make sure that we too come forward to say, we have a voice, you can't do this. But what from your experience, and, and I really wanna talk about this and share this, you know, what have you experienced? Let's talk about, and boy, I hate to go down memory lane, but if we don't remember this, it's yeah. gonna be out of context with voting rights not passing. It's gonna be out of context with women, please. It's It just went under, an equal pay bill for women failed in the Senate. Please, an equal pay for women bill. Mm -hmm. Olivia is going to pull this quote out. We're going to get the bill. You need to know who voted this down. Mm -hmm. You need to know your senator from wherever you live is saying to you that's busting your butt. Maybe you're busting your butt in an office. Maybe you're next to somebody that just got promoted. We have now sent a message to you and to me and to all of us. You don't deserve equal pay. Right. It's so let's talk about the fight and the battle from homophobia, you know, to hallelujah, sister. <laughs> you know, it's been a crazy long journey. First of all, I have to say, I realized when Hillary Clinton was running, I didn't realize how sexist this country was. What that woman had to go through, you know, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, or no one could deny what she went through was ridiculous. It was so sexist and so ridiculous. When have we ever had a man run for office and have to worry about what their outfit looked like, if they seem cold, if they laugh too much? I mean, just ridiculous. So this country's a lot more sexist than anyone wants to say out loud. I don't know if you saw that show that was on Hulu, Mrs. America, about yeah. the birth oh. of feminism. Yeah, And still they couldn't get it passed. With all that power, Gloria Steinem, all those righteous women, Bella Abzug, they still couldn't get equal rights for women passed. Now we have our first female vice president, and yes, she should be a lot louder, and we should hear her a lot more often. 
She was very loud and very fierce before she became vice president. I do think somebody has muffled her, but let her out. She's our secret weapon. So as far as gay rights goes, I when I first came out, I came out almost simultaneously with the AIDS epidemic. Yep. So, um, I mean, I was dating women and in the in the late seventies, but I essentially came out in eighty one, eighty two, which was basically when the AIDS epidemic started to explode. And so, that was when we were being completely ignored. Gay men were dying every day, hundreds, thousands of gay men all the time dying. Everyone was losing their friends, their lovers, their brothers, their sons. And it was being completely ignored. Reagan just put his head in the toilet or in the dirt, just completely ignored it. And I had the feeling that a lot of people in this country, certainly the people in power, which was a very evangelical um, movement at that point with Reagan, they were really happy about it. They were like, great, let the gay men die. And it wasn't until straight people started dying and people's daughters and, and sisters and mothers started dying that the movement really started, that really started to be a fight to stop AIDS. And so what the gay community had to do was rise up. And I think first they tried, they attempted to rise up fairly nicely, you know, as best they could. But that didn't work. You needed to rise up with a lot of screaming. And so we had a wonderful group called ACT UP, which made a lot of noise and got a lot of power and a lot of attention by the wonderful Larry Kramer, who passed away recently. God bless you, Larry. I went to, yeah. um, I went to an ACT UP event in Union Square Park. I never forgot it. And I heard Larry Kramer speak. And at that point, I was feeling very hopeless because I was losing people around me and... It, it just was, it, I would see my friends dying and yet you wouldn't see anyone caring or wanting to talk about it on the news or any politician. And Larry Kramer had us all screaming and cheering and I started feeling like, okay, they're not gonna give it to us, we're gonna take it back. But I mean, I had, this was the very beginning of my catering company. I had a beautiful, beautiful chef who I remember and think about all the time named Adam. He looked a little bit like, Jim Morrison, just gorgeous. Oh, he was gorgeous. I sort of crossed between Jim Morrison and Adam Ant. He was one of the most beautiful men and beautiful souls. And he lived life like I never met anyone. He was beautiful to look at, but beautiful inside and out. A nice Jewish boy. Of course, I adored him. And we even talked about the possibility of, of getting married and going home to my mother just to make her happy one day which is kind of silly, but I wanted to make her happy because her health wasn't that great. Anyway, then I digress there. Anyway, so at beautiful Adam, uh, we lost him to AIDS. He dwindled down to 80 pounds. He was unrecognizable and he died quietly in his parents' home and it was heartbreaking. So that's my chef. Then a few years after that, I lost Alex, my maitre d', another wonderful, wonderful boy who was really full of life and energy and had a heart full of gold. And he died in the same hospital that I think Steve Reeves was in after his horseback riding oh. accident. Yeah, we lost Adam. We lost Carlos, beautiful, beautiful boy who was going out with my friend Wolf, gorgeous boy. We lost Steven, beautiful, beautiful boy, nice Jewish boy. My mother would have loved him. I mean, just left and right, all these beautiful Left boys. and right. And left totally, and right. totally, totally ignored. 
Reagan was like, maybe if I ignore them, they'll just go away. The evangelicals were like, let them all die. They're gay men. And then one day I went to the gym and a, a beautiful 18-year-old girl who was a trainer there had sex for the very first time in her life with her boyfriend. And she got AIDS and died a year later. And that was the moment when we started hearing about straight girls, yeah. straight people getting it. And I said, you know, it's really ridiculous, but I think now is, people are gonna finally wanna do something, which was heartbreaking. Like they didn't care if the gay community died, but yeah. now their daughters are dying. All right, well, they better do something. I got to tell you, you know, living in New York at this time, right, Chef? Let's talk about this. You know, there are certain parts of the country in the United States of America that were so hard hit by this and so aware of it. And yet um, it really took an uprising. Um, and it took people, not just from the gay community, but Louise Hay. I mean, one of the first things Louise Hay did in New York City was to hold, you know, forums, I think, in uh, in her living, but to, to really do something in support right. of people with AIDS or HIV. And I remember this, and I remember thinking, and, and, and I remember going into the city, Koch, Mayor Ed Koch, mm -hmm. remember Love Koch? It. And I remember being in a crowd and, and listening to him, and I remember my body starting to move like my body was like my friends were with me and I remember listening and I could remember my body start to move towards him almost like with my hands ready to choke him yeah and and I thought to myself and my friends of course were like no do not cross the police line no no you'll get a jail do not cross the police line but I remember the insensitivity to death mm -hmm. and I have to tell you with COVID mm -hmm. I know that the AIDS experience what you and I went through in support and the activism and everybody else that participated going through COVID-19 early on and not seeing any recognition of it boy did it take me back well, you know what? I had a lot of flashbacks. Well, the first yeah. the first three months of COVID were very dark and scary. Yeah. And I had a lot of flashbacks to the early days of AIDS. Now, I do have to say out loud as a lesbian, I have a lot of gay male friends who would say, you have no right to complain because we were the ones who were dying and we were the ones who were, who were afraid to have sex with our partners. But I think as someone with a heart and a part of the gay community who was losing my friends, I have every right to complain. Yeah. So, but I didn't have it as bad as my gay male friends. I have to say that out loud. And, yeah. that, you know. There's not, even a, there's not even a question mark about no, that. No, there's not. A, there's absolutely. And, you know, oh. let's talk about homophobia in a flashback. flashback. I got to tell you, one of the most profoundly significant movies that were made to raise a level of awareness, literally raise a level of awareness, of course, Oscar awards everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, was Philadelphia. Mm -hmm, right. right. We needed Tom Hanks to, to we do needed it. Tom we also needed Antonio Banderas. I mean, right. come on. let's just be really Mark. clear. But we needed that in Denzel Washington. And when you watch this movie, I watch this movie every year at this time. I've mm -hmm. watched it. I can't tell you how many times. Because I think that it's important, Chef, and I would love for you to comment on this. 
once we get a few rights, we get a forgetter, mm-hmm. a forgetter. You know mm-hmm. what a forgetter is? A forgetter is how many people had to die before right. we recognized that tying Matthew Shepard to a fence was a hate crime. Right. How it's many versions, way. right. How many episodes of Law & Order SVU on the topic had to be made? Thank you, Mariska Hargitay. Hello, mm-hmm. I'm like Mariska, love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many of those do we have to watch before something's a law? Well, you know, it's astounding, but I remember when Will & Grace came out. Like, <laughs> oh, love Will & Grace doing a little segue here. And I read something that made a lot of sense where the writer said, Will and Grace did more for the gay rights movement than a thousand marches. Because suddenly you had people who maybe thought, I say thought because you know it wasn't true, that they didn't know anyone gay. They thought it was alien to them and foreign to them. No one in my family, no one I know, surely. You know? Of course, they had knew a lot of gay people. They just didn't know it. But so they, they were very comfortable in their homophobia. But then they start watching Will and Grace and they start falling in love with the characters and they, then they're thinking, well, I don't want these characters to be hurt. You know, things like that really work. So everyone loves Tom Hanks, he's Forrest Gump, he's, he's America's sweetheart, but now he's pulling your heartstrings and you're, you're having to care for him. You know, so it really does take mainstream things like that. And now we have, we've had The L Word and Queer as Folk and all these other shows. But I remember when Ellen DeGeneres came out on her TV show, I had a little party. And so this is primetime TV. And I had yeah. my, my girlfriends over in the living room and we had a party. And yeah. when she said those words on primetime TV, I'm gay, we just couldn't believe yeah. it. Our world changed. Yeah. I see gay couples all the time, especially in my neighborhood. I live in the East Village, and my girlfriend and I talk about this a lot. We'll see two beautiful young girls, maybe 17 years old, holding hands or kissing, or two beautiful young boys, maybe in their teens, early 20s, holding hands or kissing. And they just feel fearless and rolling in their love. And and it's beautiful to see. I I mean, I was like, oh, my God, it's just, I, um, I could not have imagined that. When I came out, you know? Uh, no. And by the way, you couldn't imagine walking down the street in any part of the village. Right. Without, right. without just cringing for your life. Oh, yeah. Right. But how are we today? Let's talk about this today for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sounds like with Will and Grace. It sounds mm-hmm. like, well, not with Philadelphia, but it sounds mm-hmm. like with Ellen. I, I honestly really think what Ellen just went through last year, I really wonder about that. You know, yeah, well, okay. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened either. We'll never know the story. Maybe her people in her environment weren't happy, but you know, maybe the people that work for Oprah aren't happy. I don't. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. But can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. If that was somebody other than Ellen, and and this is my reflection, what I've made note of is. Every comment about people or staff not being happy so far that I can recollect have been about women. Right. Oh, they Amy Klobuchar right. running for president. And the only thing they could find about Amy Klobuchar running for president is what? Mm-hmm. She's tough on her people. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Number 45. Has he even been tough on people? Oh, wait. Let me see. The CEO of oh, oh, CEO of General Motors. Okay, has he? 
Okay. Has he ever been taught by people? Yeah. You know, you're right. It's pure sexism. And it hurt Amy Klobuchar, too. Oh, it hurt her it bad. Hurt. Pure sexism. Yeah. Men are hard on women all the time, and they just say he's a tough boss, but I respect yeah. him. Kamala woman- Harris. Kamala Harris grilling people. They didn't like he's that. He's really being hard on him. Right. Could you not be so hard on this criminal you're in. So this is where we are today. And we're talking about, you know, gay rights. We're talking about gay women, but we're also talking about women. Mm -hmm. Because if women that are not gay are subjected to this, Mm -hmm. then let's talk about what happens to a gay woman Mm -hmm. when she is acting in the context of that. The names that that women are gay women are called Mm -hmm. you know it's the subjectivity around their promotability Mm -hmm. you know why are so many gay women entrepreneurs (laughs) go ahead chef tell me about that one so many things first of all i mean we are living in a sexist country and uh, some of the biggest sexists i know are under the delusion that they're not sexist now i don't mind a man holding a door open for me i don't mind a woman holding a door open for I me don't i don't either walk in front of somebody you shouldn't let the door slam in, in their face i remember i dated a woman some time ago who i think had lived a very sheltered life and there were certain social skills that she never had mastered it was it, i it wasn't like i could get upset about it it was just some sort of a weird naivete that she had but she would walk out a door and let it slam in my face And I said, you know, when you walk out a door in front of someone, you're supposed to hold it and not let it swing back and hit them in the face. And she went, oh, really? I didn't know that. She's like, oh, my God, were you raised in a barn? Like, what happened to this person? But that being said, as a female chef, certainly, oh, my God, the sexism in that is ridiculous. And now everybody thinks they see women chefs all the time now and women owners of restaurants, and they think, so it's over. It's certainly not over. What women are doing in the food world is a f- small fraction of what men are doing in the, in, the, in the food world. In politics, we see women in politics, we're so excited. But like, why is it such a shocking, shocking thing? Shocking. And a wonderful thing that we finally have a female vice president. Why have we not had a female president? Like, what, why was Hillary Clinton annihilated for running, for having the audacity to be strong the poor woman couldn't win. You well, know, we know the answer to that because the struggle that we've had as women is women supporting women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been the right. struggle we've yeah. had, women supporting women. Patty Murray, Senator Patty Murray, Patty, Senator Patty Murray, if Olivia pulls this out, this is a message for you. You have got chutzpah. I cried for you at the rejection of this equal pay bill. Mm-hmm. Senator Patty Murray, I my senator right here and i gotta say this i cried for her because this is a woman in my state we had a campaign you ready we're hearing about how women are not returning to the market right now because of the number of reasons including that they just aren't getting paid enough to pay for childcare and other challenges they have senate help chair patty murray the bill Senate sponsor told Politico. So if we want our economy to grow, we need to pay women. Senator Joe Manchin, your 15 minutes are up, dude. Oh, God, go your home. 15 minutes are up. Go home, Joe. Please. My mom, you are from the state of my family down there, and I'm telling you, 
you need to get out of the way and do more. But this bill voted down. It voted down. It was 49.50, required 60 votes in advance. How on earth is it even something that's a question? Here's why it's a question. Because of what you and I are talking about. Mm -hmm. Women, so I... I pulled my team. I mean, if I ask my new team members, I hope they're listening. I got Jessica in the other room. Linda and I, we know. I got Malia and I got Jamie. And I got Edvin and I got Jacob, right? And Olivia's running the show. Mm-hmm. If I ask this team, okay, all y'all, Jacob, your fiance, all y'all, Edvin, boyfriend, girlfriend, women, ladies, do you know you do not have equal rights? When I did that poll two years ago, I'm going to do it again. Cosmopolitans, they're like, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about state level. At the federal level, you do not have equal rights. There was no equal rights amendment. Now, let me make the announcement. As of yesterday, it is legal in the United States of America by this bill not being passed for women not to get equal pay. And do you know what the reason was, Chef? Because let's talk about women and now let's talk about gay women. Because when you you go down the scale, this is white women. Mm -hmm. Now black and brown women. Now gay women. So Mm -hmm. if white women, hello, cannot get equal pay, what is the message for everybody? Latina, my Latina sisters, you go down, what's the message? Do you know what the the excuse was? Here. The bill would exploit the cause of pay fairness and would send a windfall trial to lawyers, Mitch McConnell. It should be a windfall trial to law. People should sue if they're not getting paid. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more with Chef Rossi. We are taking your calls. Weigh in on this. Yeah, this is usually a power-up show for me. 1-800-930-2819. Chef Rossi, the raging skillet, please best of the knot, all sorts of awards, but this is what you need to know. You need to really look at this, what she's doing, go to the ragingskillet.com, but you want to know about the raging skillet true story. That's when we come back. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Patricia McNair, host of divine guidance with Patricia. And I'm here to help you live a more authentic, spiritually connected life. Join me every first and third Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Being who you are in everyday life is the key to unlocking soul wisdom within that our whole self already knows. Get ready to embrace your spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being, your whole being. Discover your gifts and strengthen your connection to spirit. We will explore earth guidance, divine truth, and love, past life lessons, and so much more. So listen in to Divine Guidance with Patricia and join in your personal adventure to triggering, opening, validating, and being all that you are. For more information about me, visit divineguidance.earth. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. 
Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Obear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Transition, simultaneously the most difficult and vital part of the human experience. Without change, how would we grow? Tune in to Grounding Into Your Radiance with Stacy Barber every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Step into your truth and allow the light into your life. For more information about Stacy and her services, visit StacyBarber.com. That's Stacy S-T-A-C-I-E, Barber.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Chef Rossi joining me here. Chef, before we continue, look, you've been through a tough time. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even know what it's like. I have a couple of I don't even know what it's like to be in the food business in New York City through the pandemic, but here you are. You never stopped. You took the raging skillet, your message, and you really, you know, you you just said, I, I'm not going away. You and I decided we weren't going away. Yeah. I mean, I, I had I had a branding at your I want to save this story. I want people to know how do they get a copy of the book? How do they follow you? How do they follow the screenplay? How do they just do everything, including when you decide to do your one woman show? <laughs> Come on. Well, you can always find me on my website, theragingskillet.com. You can always find me on Instagram as Chef Rossi NYC. So C H E F R O S S I N Y C. You can find me on my Facebook page, Chef Rossi NYC. You can find me on Twitter, Chef Rossi, sort of all over the place. And um, I'll, I'll constantly keep you updated on my exploits. Yeah, I love it. You can always get the copy of The Raging Skillet. It's obviously on Amazon, but you know what? It's great to support your local independent mm-hmm. bookstore. They're really struggling and they really are important and they need your love. So if you can pick mm-hmm. up a copy from your independent bookstore, if they don't have it, they'll order it for you. And then that kind of shares the love too. That's the, really the best. And tell us about your podcast too. So people know oh, about that. 
So in during the pandemic, I mean, I'm a large event caterer, mostly weddings. And so we lost 95% of our business. I mean, we got wiped out, not for a year, for 15 months. And so we did a lot of things in the downtime to stay relevant and stay out there and help people in need and keep the love rolling. But one night I realized I needed to do something for my soul. So, cause my soul was getting a little bit sad. So I started a podcast called Raging and Eating, which is on Anchor and Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts and a bunch of other places. You, um, I don't remember the link, but you can just type into Google Raging and Eating on Anchor or Chef Rossi Raging and Eating. I talk each week. Oh, we, I always give some recipes and bring food into it because I love food. But usually it is more about what's going on with my heart and soul. I like to talk about life and love and laughter and things that will help inspire you and keep you from having the, the you know, feeling the bummers. But uh, and also a lot about my wacky, bizarre, white trash Jewish family. <laughs> so, look. I love the expression out loud and proud. Uh, anybody that has ever been to a gay pride event and they are going on across the country. Some, some states do it sooner because it's just way too hot. But these are things that started. Pride literally started after Stonewall. People ask me, like, what do you know about that? I said, that's when it started. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when the pride movement started. It took an event like Stonewall to happen for it to start. Um, but it's never stopped. And we're talking about how does it feel? What can we do to help people that are now coming out? You know, Mm -hmm. how do we share and help along the way? Well, since you and I were young, there's so many organizations now. There's Mm -hmm. so many things, but that doesn't mean we still don't help. That's why today we're talking about not just being coming out and being proud, but these nuances of rights that are being tattered away that we're quite familiar with, Chef, right? It's happening every day. Mm-hmm. Look, I live in New York City, in, the, in Greenwich Village in New York City. So probably the most gay, one of the most gay-friendly places in the world is San yeah, Francisco. totally. New York City, you know, there's a few places. But I think about people who are in high school or grammar school and realizing that they're gay, and they're in Kentucky, they're in Wyoming, Tennessee. Tennessee. They're in Matthew Shepard country. And their very life might be in danger if they were to come out. Their life maybe already is in danger. They may feel like they want to commit suicide. Certainly, uh, young gay people are much more apt to commit suicide than heterosexual people are. Or they may be trans and much more apt to be murdered, to be hurt, to commit suicide. I'm So it's for all of these beautiful, beautiful children and young adults that I think all the time. I mean, I know it was much harder in my generation than it is now, but um, still, I was in New Jersey and then in New York. It's a very different story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot about Matthew Shepard, actually. He inspires me on a regular basis. I did a painting of him once some years ago, and I just, it just... He's, he's someone that just stays in my heart. And here's a beautiful boy who I never met and now will never meet, but he stays in my heart. Yeah. So I know there's a wonderful organization that I love called It Gets Better, which is great. And essentially it's helping these beautiful children, you know, not give up and just know it gets better. 
Like I know when I was in high school in New Jersey, if you came out as gay, first of all, you were never going to have another friend in high school. Never. going to be brave enough to be your friend. You were probably going to be beaten up. You might be spit on. I don't think you were going to be murdered in New Jersey, but you never know, you know. Uh, if you went out in public holding your girlfriend's hand, you were certainly going to be beaten up. But then, you know, I went to Greenwich Village in New York City. I've been gay bashed three times, and none of them were in New Jersey. One time in Greenwich Village on Bank Street, one of the prettiest blocks in the village, I was walking down the street holding my girlfriend's hand, and a gang of kids approached us. They were like, little one was maybe 11 or 12, and then they ranged up to 16 or 17. And my girlfriend and I were marveling at the fact that they were a gang of kids that were mixed race. Race. Some were black, some were Puerto Rican, um, some were mixed race. And we were just like, how great that they're all hanging out together. Because back then, you would never see black and brown people hanging out together. They all seemed to split up. Even the lesbian and gay bars would be like, oh, God, yeah. The Latin bar, this is the black bar, this is the white bar. I don't know what that's about. Just mix it all up or all people. So... Here we were feeling so thrilled that they were hanging out together. And they started saying the really nasty, vulgar, disgusting things to us because we've been holding hands. Mm. And they surrounded us. And we realized that we were about to be attacked by them. So I didn't feel so worried inside because I thought, well, you know, some of them were kind of small, but the, the 16, 17 year olds were a little bigger and scarier. But I thought, you know, I think I could, you know, I could take them, you know, I just in my head, which is crazy. There was six of them. And the littlest one, the 11, 12 year old one goes like this, reaches in. And I didn't know what he was doing. He was reaching for a gun. Yeah. And just then a cop car came by. It was like, God sent the cop car at just that moment. And they chased them. They caught some of them. It became a big thing. Back then there was a a vigilante group started by the gay community called the Pink Panthers. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so many gay bashes happening. It became a big thing. But I think about that day all the time. That there I was in the prettiest, safest block, you think, in the West Village, and we were almost killed by an 11-year-old kid with it turned out to be a homemade zip gun. The cop said it had only two bullets in it, and it was so badly made that after he shot us, it might have blown up on him, too. So he might have killed himself, too. And it just... From that point for a while, it took me a while to feel brave enough to hold my girlfriend's hand again. Oh, yeah. And even now, all these years later, when my girlfriend Lydia and I walk down the street, if we go to hold hands, I always look around, you know, is the coast clear? So that's when I see all those beautiful young couples feeling so fearless. Yeah. I'm so happy that they can feel that way. And I know that it took the blood, sweat, and tears of so many people, so many pioneers As much as I had a hard time coming out in 81 and 82, I had nothing compared to the pre-Stonewall gang. Mm. I mean, it used to be that you could be arrested and thrown in jail for being- Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, FYI about Stonewall, because I was there, I want to tell you something. That was one night. Mm -hmm. Raids on places like this across the country happened all the time fueled by payola Mm -hmm. from you know who family Mm -hmm. to the police and so this is something that doesn't we don't talk about this now but you and i are talking about it because here's the deal 
We are a maid's tail away from this moment. You see, the reason that I love talking with you about this and sharing these stories is because we have generations that don't know this, but more importantly, don't know what they're losing as you and I are speaking today. Right. Equal pay for women, voting rights voted down again by our government because Republican senators are concerned about lawsuits that should be happening as we speak. The other thing I want to point to is what you said. I live in the state of Washington. I play a sport that my friends are Asian. The cowards that are beating up 65, 70-year-old Asian women on a street, you should be ashamed of yourself. Disgusting. Why? Please, listen. If we don't do something different and we don't have a different coming out now, I can't talk for the men. I hope the men join. But if we don't have a women coming out organization that really steps forward to help educate the generations that just don't know, my team doesn't know what it was like to go to a staff meeting. Every staff meeting is the only woman manager in the room Mm -hmm. and have your boss start the meeting out with dirty jokes Mm -hmm. they don't know that no but they also don't know that they are not far away from that being okay again Mm -hmm. well that's why watching the handmaid's tale is so terrifying god i it's i i just like i can't sleep at night oh i mean i have to watch it because it's brilliant i know but but i can't sleep at night I, I thought with the Jim Jones presidency, we were getting very close many times and just just so terrifying. But we are close because yeah. look at what's happening in the bills that are getting passed and not passed. See, you're right about that. But now this is, you know, the handmaid's tale when things are so subtle and they're not so obvious in your face, right. like, ah, you're, but the subtleness of it, that's what we're going through now. Well, that's the terrifying part, the building up. Mm-hmm. The part where no one was speaking out, they mm-hmm. did they wanted to be reelected. So let's just let's just squash voting rights. Let's just not give women equal pay. Let's just toe the line and do what all the other Republicans mm-hmm. are doing. You know, like, well, that's all right. Then we'll get reelected. Or let's just pull a Joe Manchin. Let's just be like that. And little things, little, little, little. But the next thing you know, there's a big atrocity happening. And it could happen. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this country who very much would like to see women not working and only staying at home and just doing and taking care of their family and taking care of their husband and don't think they should work. And if they do work, it should only work in a submissive position, should never have a power position. There's a lot of people in this country maybe don't say it out loud unless they're drinking with their buddies, but they really think that. And there's a lot of women in this country who hurt other women or won't help other women. I mean, it happens all the time. I have, a, I have a former friend of mine who was always a very high-powered editor. She was an editor for some of the most powerful places you could be an editor. And she was always in a position with a small, within five seconds of her time, she could have done more for my writing career than I could have done for my career on my own in 30 years. And she wouldn't. She never was. She never did. And she never would. And it was kind of astounding. And Mm -hmm. she would even have conversations with me as I was pursuing my writing career and hitting rejections and obstacles and would take one phone call from her. She never would. And yet 
constantly, constantly doing amazing, miraculous things for the careers of men. And I think it was that she felt there was a very small amount of space on the top of that pinhead. And she yeah. didn't want another woman in that space with her. She wanted all the women off the top and only one she was going to help would be a man. And that is more common. It happens mm -hmm. so often. It's astounding. I know women who own companies. Mm -hmm. One woman in particular I'm thinking of who had a power position, owns a successful company and had women working for her, but the women who worked for her could never go beyond a certain point. When it came time to big jobs in the company, they would only ever go to men without mm. exception. Yeah. And I'm like, sisters, what are you doing to us? What are well, you doing to yourself? Well, so here, here's something I want to tease out to you because you're going to love this. I don't know what you're doing Friday at 2 and 2.30, between 2 and 3. I'm cooking for a wedding. Oh, my God. So... I'm doing uh, two power-up shows and one on Thursday, and I have great new producers, Edvin, of course, uh, Malia, and Jamie. And I said to them, "This is they're going to learn how to run a show. And I said to them, you guys pick the topics, right? Right. So they all picked the topics. Two of the topics that came back are going to be fascinating for me to talk about. And that is transgender athletes. Yeah. That's a good topic. It's topic. a good topic. And it is one of the most, one of the most separatist topics in sports at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Transgender athletes. Let's have a conversation about them. Right. Mm -hmm. Fascinating conversation because most people polled are like, no, that woman that was a man no way should they compete in the woman thing. And one of the things I said to the team, I said, you know, this is a thing for the moment until that athlete loses and then it won't be a thing anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a thing. It's a great conversation. You know what it reminds me of? Don't ask, don't tell. Oh, yeah. What a giant hole. I, I, there's a word that comes between hole, but I can't say it. Don't you know ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell what? Like what? Don't ask don't, what? That was supposed to be an improvement, which was the funny part of it. <laughs> so, Friday? Yeah. Between two and three, two different shows. I haven't yet seen the content, but I'm loving they picked this topic. It's going to be interesting what I say very about it. And yeah. very controversial and very relevant. I think it's great. Talk about it. It's a great topic. The trans community was a well, they were murdered and hurt and attacked and ignored still are. so long. They still are. When I was talking to a friend of mine about, um, so we we were, you know, sisters together in New York in the early 80s and had a great thriving wild bunch of girls. We all hung out. And some of the women in our group were very, very, very butch. And we always thought, well, so butch that it seemed like it was more than that. Like it was, it was one, it was it, being butch was not the right word. And so we were having a conversation. She's like, can you imagine if all of this trans movement had happened to the back then? I think, I think that this one would have been trans and that one would have been trans and that one would have been trans. And sure enough, a lot of the sisters who moved to San Francisco where it was more accepting. Oh, much, much sooner. Yeah, California. Yeah. You know, let's, let's do an acknowledgement. I got to do the acknowledgement. I know we got like one minute left, but I got to do this acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. RuPaul. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
RuPaul has done more mm -hmm. for gay men, mm -hmm. trans, transvest, RuPaul did for them and is doing for them what Ellen mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, that show is so popular between gay and straight people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We now need to really think about, Chef, how we get to the next level of a movement. Because if we don't create something, The Handsmaid's Tale will become a reality. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got to tell you, our buddy down there doing voting rights, uh, Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. Love her. We need to send her vitamins. Mm -hmm. Chef, thank you for today. I got to ask you, yes, what is your personal message? And again, please let folks know how they can follow you. And if you live in New York or something or Jersey or over there and you need a fabulous caterer, this is where you go. How do they find out about all Chef oh. Rossi? Well, you can find me on the raging the ragingskillet.com. I'm Chef Rossi NYC on Instagram and my Facebook page. I'm Chef Rossi on Twitter. And I'm here in New York City rocking it. And read my book, The Raging Skillet, support your local bookstore. Check out my podcast, Raging and Eating, on Anchor and also Spotify and iTunes and a million other places. And I hope, I hope, I hope I get to meet you, whoever you are. I like you already. So my message is this. Look. Was it wrong to kill 6 million Jews during the Holocaust? Yes. Was it wrong to murder innocent boys and girls just because of them having the audacity to love who they love? Yes. Was it wrong to murder Matthew Shepard? Yes. Is it wrong to judge people by their religion and the color of their skin and who they love? Yes, 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 yes. But it's not enough to just know that. Do something about it. So if you see someone being hurt, if you see someone being sad because they're taunted, if you're in high school and you see someone being abused, speak out, stand up, rise up. Do not let it happen. And whatever you are, whoever you are, be yourself, be honest, be authentic, stand out loud and proud because you're beautiful just the way you are. In the words of Bob Dylan, who was there, and some, you know, depending upon what you read about 1969, you know, the crowd gathered and there was Bob Dylan. But Bob Dylan wrote a song. And he wrote a song about it. And the, and the words are this, when, when you've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. The message that I think, Chef, you and I are saying, let us not get back to having nothing. 